The baby days are over and your toddler is becoming a little person with thoughts, feelings, and opinions, sometimes all at the same time. They give you a kiss and a smile, and the next moment they're screaming and hitting. How do you handle the situation without throwing a tantrum yourself? I am Susie Walton, founder of Indigo Village and teacher of redirecting children's behavior. And this is Parent Savers, Episode 4. Faster than a speeding toddler. Sit still for just a minute. Can soothe boo-boos with a gentle kiss. Did you get down from there? Able to clean poopy bottoms in a single swipe. Oh, what did you eat? Turning frazzled mommies and daddies into procreators of peace and harmony. Ah, quit touching me. It's Parent Savers, empowering new parents everywhere. Welcome to Parent Savers, broadcasting from the Birth Education Center of San Diego. I'm your host, Casey Wilt. Parent Savers is all about helping new parents preserve their sanity by getting you expert advice for the baby years through the toddler years. Be a part of our show. Feel free to send us comments or suggestions through the contact link on our website, www.parentsavers.com. Or you can call the Parent Savers hotline at 619-866-4775. I'm new parent myself. My son Carson's now 15 months old, and I'm also joined by three new parents here in the studio. Hi, my name is Terry Wood. Uh, I'm work in the IT industry. I have one beautiful daughter, 18 months old, uh, Carlotta. Hi, I'm Heidi Murfin. I'm 37 years old. I'm an environmental economist, and I have one girl, Kyla, who's 14 months. My name is Jane Park. I'm also 37, and I'm a part-time fundraising consultant and stay-at-home mother. Uh, To my three children, I have one girl who is five and one girl who is three and a 12-month-old boy. Before we start today's show, here's a question for one of our experts. Hi, Parent Savers. My name is Erica from San Diego, California. I have a question for your expert, Amy Goyle, the special needs physical therapist. My child is 17 months old and he has no interest in walking on his own. He will finally walk while holding someone's hand, and he does cruise all over the place. He can stand up easily when holding onto something and will also walk on his knees. He just has no interest in doing it on his own. Is this normal? Do we need to see someone? Thank you. Hi, Erica. This is Amy Goyle. You've asked a great question. Many parents actually wonder the same thing, so here's my answer. Your son's actually moving outside the typical age range for learning how to walk. Now, just because kids are moving in this direction doesn't actually mean that there's anything wrong. You told me he's already doing a lot of pre-walking skills like cruising and walking with one hand held. All of the things you've described to me tell me that he's on the path toward walking on his own. My recommendation now to you is to pay attention to your son's progress. Look to see if he's doing more this month than the previous month. Now, here's some examples of what I'm talking about. Is he walking faster this month than last month? Is he covering more distance? Does he require less support now that more time has passed? Can he adapt to a variety of settings? As long as he's gaining confidence in different environments, that's a good sign. I'd also suggest that you have your pediatrician take a look at him. Most kids have a well baby visit around 18 months, and that would be a great time to ask if there's anything to be concerned about. If after you go to the appointment and you still have concerns, you may want to consult with a pediatric physical therapist. I hope this helps, Erica, and thanks for calling. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today on Parent Savers, we have Susie Walton from Indigo Village helping us to make the choice between the terrible twos or the terrific twos. So, Susie, what makes a terrible two? Does it start earlier than two? Because I have a 15-month-old, and I swear he's like 15 going on three. So, Well, the experts say 18 months, but we're going to let you start at 15 months. And it can these terrible tooth ideas can go up to age five. So it's a, it's a big range <laughs> here. For you, for you that have a couple of kids in that range, you've got a lot going on. Wow. You know, it's, it's because it's such a power surge time for kids developmentally. Mm. It's when they're starting to feel their own oats. Mm. And think about it, too. All of a sudden, you know, they were the center of the universe. But now that they're crawling or walking, you know, you're letting them have more independence. And they like that on one hand, but they still like it to be all about them. Mm. You know, it's all their favorite words are me and mine. You know, another favorite becomes the word no, and I personally feel like they say no to everything because we're always telling them no. So they hear it from us, so they start saying no, and, and they actually love the reaction they get from us parents when we, they say no. And you, they go, don't you say that to me. <laughs> No. I, just laugh. <laughs> I know, really. I you know, laugh. and emotionally, their 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 emotions are all over the place. You know, they love sameness and routine. So if routines start getting a little whacked out, it kind of whacks them out. Huh. So there's a whole lot going on for them in this stage. When I wonder, I feel like sometimes my son, you know, he just doesn't have the words to verbalize what he wants. But yet, if he could see, each stage for us has been easier. The crawling stage, great. The cr- the walking stage, great, because he's now able to like get to what he wants and he's got opinions and everything where does that come from from you (laughs) (laughs) great thanks (laughs) you know usually you have kids with strong opinions you should have parents have strong opinions you know it's really it's what we it's who we are they watch us they know us they know us better than we know ourselves Hmm. the scary thing is i've I've told my wife a couple times now that in a couple of weeks my daughter will be smarter than i am (laughs) she just takes everything in and She'll let you know. Do you think it's a couple of weeks? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I know. They're brilliant. And you guys, you with the first parent, first kids, you know, it's such a new thing for us. Mm-hmm. Everything they do is brand new. And, you know, and as parents, we expect, we expect ourselves to know what to do all the time, and we don't. And, and, and so that's another thing, too. It's like, you know, lower your bar a little bit, you parents of the firstborns, and realize, you know, we learn best through our mistakes, I, used to, I have four sons. I used to tell my first son, you're my guinea pig. <laughs> I was so honest with him. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing with you. I just know what doesn't work for you. I'll do differently with your brothers. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, thanks, mom. <laughs> it wasn't the way. So what's the developmental stage? What are they going through when they go from one to two? And does it baby behavior come on because of the age or are there triggers in the environment or how I react? Both. I mean, really, I'm, once again, you know, they're, they're gaining their own independence. You know, and they're trying to figure this whole thing out. And they still want to be the center of the universe. So they still think they can do whatever they want. And they can grab things that they want. They can take things. They can do whatever they want, they think. But now they're learning there's limits because they're so mobile with their crawling and the walking where when they were just babies, they just sat there in your arms. So it's a whole new discovery program for them, so to speak, too. And that we always want to remember that, you know, mistakes are wonderful opportunities to learn. 
I always say the more mistakes your kids make while they're growing up, the less you worry about them when they're adults on their own. Mm-hmm. We can't learn unless we make mistakes. So when your kids make a mistake and, and pour their milk on the ground, it's, it's, they're not doing it out of spite. They're just trying to figure out, is it why is it okay that I can do cups of water in the bathtub, but I can't do cups of milk when I'm sitting in my high chair, mm-hmm. so to speak? I can't tell you how many parents have told me the two-year-olds have to take out their outside hosing down with the hose. They open up the door of the house, and they start hosing the house. <laughs> Seriously, and parents, like, freak out. I'm like, well, how are they how supposed they to know? know the difference, huh. right? So it's a whole new world for them. So I have a question about, say, for example, at 14 months, um, setting appropriate limits. Like, what should limits be? Because for me, I feel like there's a lot of things that she does that I'll see other parents say, no, don't do that. Hmm. Um, but I think, well, what's the big deal? Like, for example, she loves having my phone and playing with it. Well, you know, she's exploring. She's trying something new. I don't really have a big problem with her doing that at this point. But I know at some point, as she's getting older, there have to be more things that she's just not allowed to do. It's not hers or mm-hmm. whatever. So how do you how do you decide? Wait, we are all we are all our own best experts. So I love the idea that you you know that you allow your daughter to explore and and you know I'm not big on the phone just because of all the. Stuff around the Calling phone. Calling 911 <laughs> accidentally. Electromagnetic Rage. stuff around the phone. <laughs> yeah. So in general, you know, it's, it's same thing with remote controls. I mean, I, I don't know if you guys saw that article about there's more and more um, deaths of infants now because they're playing the remote, the Modi, and then the battery comes out and the ba- they swallow oh, wow. the battery, which wow. is something most, like I didn't have to worry about because when I, my kids were little, there wasn't a thousand different remotes. So, right. you know, just a side note for you parents. So. And I'm not saying that's going to happen on the phone, but I, I would keep a phone mm-hmm. away from a baby as much as possible just because it's a phone. But in general, letting them crawl around, let them explore. I always suggest your parents have cupboards in the kitchen where they can just go in there and take mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. is out of there because it's all Tupperware or something. And let them, you know, kind of fall down the next step so they have the idea that, oh, there's a mm-hmm. step between this room and that room. And, you know, i got to be aware I'm going to fall because it's not going to hurt them. Mm-hmm. That's what we call natural consequences. Mm-hmm. And natural consequences, to me, are the best teachers in life. If you're an overprotective helicopter parent that's never allowing your child to have a bump or fall off a couch or, you know, kind of fall, whatever, we're not allowing them to start realizing, oh, Mm -hmm. I need to start taking control over me and how I do the world, Mm -hmm. so to speak. Okay, so I'm very much in that line of, we have stairs. My son learned to crawl them. He's fallen down them several times, you know, things like that. Um, And, well... (laughs) Sounds pretty bad. But, <laughs> no, but, not at all. But um, but he's awesome at the stairs now. Um, so the other day he got stung by a bee. Okay, I didn't get stung by a bee till I was an adult. So of course I flipped out watching him. Or do I have to go to the hospital? Mm-hmm. Everything was fine. Um, within a few hours he's back at the bush grabbing the bees, mm-hmm. uh, and then a day later, back at the bush swapping at the bees and he literally he got stung because he picked one up off the plant like he <laughs> I, I, he pinched it and it you know stung him um how is that a natural how will he learn he doesn't seem to i mean a bee sting hurts right so the thing is he's only 15 months old yeah so he got the experience once but he doesn't get that he just loves the flowers and he loves these little flying bugs running Uh around right so parents you get to own your problems but when you 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 want to stay away from saying don't go near those bees you might get stung okay that means absolutely nothing to a child and most kids will say no i won't as they jump in the bushes right. and get stung by bees mm-hmm. so this will save you all through the, your lifetime raising kids especially those teen years only only by saying i i'm not comfortable with you playing in those flowers with the bees so i'm going to take you somewhere else but you have to use the word i and then you just remove him 
And he, if he goes back again, now you start removing him with no words. And you do that with any redirect when you don't want him doing something. that You've already told him once, this is not okay with me. I'm not comfortable with you doing it. You know, I'm not okay with you falling in the pool or whatever it is. You know, mm-hmm. So they get near the pool. You keep taking him away with no words from that point on. And eventually he'll just still play with something else. I was just going to ask that in a situation where it's not grave danger, if you were to just say, if you do this, something bad may happen and, and, and just tell them what it is that may happen and let them make the decision. You're giving them the ability to have the opportunity ex- to explore uh, in somewhat of a controlled environment and they can learn that way. I, I, I'm not suggesting that you let Carson get stung <laughs> repetitively, but is that that model, is that mindset, is that uh You know, it, it's, it's okay, but I, I like to say um, let the consequence do the talking, not you. So, for example, um, my kids, when my two little boys were babies, we had a swimming pool. And this is what I, I actually did this because I had been a swim instructor and stuff. And I always had this fear of babies and pools. And I actually let them crawl to the edge of the pool. I didn't say a word. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I, they both, in their own time, they, they, they looked, leaned over, they leaned over, and they fell in, in the deep end. And so then I kind of got in the pool. I grabbed their big diapers, pulled them out, <laughs> dried them off, didn't say a word. And again, they crawled to the edge of the pool, and they looked and looked, and then they turned and crawled away. Mm-hmm. And it was such a beautiful moment for me. I was so yeah. happy I had been there for the, that experience. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they learned. Not, yeah, and so I'm not saying what you're saying is bad. You, I mean, you don't have, you, if you want to say, listen, if you choose to do this, something could happen that, you know, may not feel comfortable or it may right. you know, hurt you a little bit. But it's up to you if you're okay. Or just let it happen okay. and let them, you know, I, experience I, themselves, either sense. one. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Would you say that um, the, how your children behave during the terrible twos is a reflection of what to expect during the teenage years? So, first of all, yes, because <laughs> they're right, only great. terrible twos because we don't know how to how to um, discipline in a way that makes it you know more terrific twos, which we'll get up to in a moment. But your kids, when I hear this stuff from most of your parents, it's, you've got power kids. They're assertive. They're you know they have opinions. They they have you know that's another thing too. They're not you know when kids grab things or kick, they're not being aggressive. They're being assertive. They're going for what they want. They just haven't realized yet that they can't just have all that they want. So that's another you know I want you guys to you know reframe being aggressive, you know or being a brat to being assertive. Mm-hmm. And yes, they have opinions, and so we don't <laughs> want to take that away from them because. I know you all want your teenagers to be able to stand up for themselves and say, this is what I believe and this is what I need for me. And at the same time, they need to learn that other people have needs too. So one of the beautiful things that you can do as your kids start getting a little older and more verbal, two and a half on up, is to say, how do you want to make this work for both of you when it's two kids fighting over something? Mm -hmm. And that's another whole thing with that toddler's thing. They're not supposed to want to share. That is not developmentally normal for this age group. (laughs) So when they do... Count it as a blessing, but don't count on it again. Mm-hmm. And I also suggest you use the words taking turns versus sharing. Sharing almost sounds like, here, take a part of me away with you. Mm-hmm. Taking turns is very concrete. And you can actually teach them that by having a smoothie with one straw, so to speak, and you take turns to, out of it so that the kids say, oh, this is fun taking turns. Mm-hmm. So what I'm getting to, too, is when your friend, ha- your child has a guest over, please never say, let her go first. She's the guest today. Because what we're teaching our kids then is that other people's needs are more important than theirs. 
And one little three-year-old said one day to his mommy, Mommy, can I just be a guest for a day? <laughs> I felt sad. And then another mom told me she heard her. She said she was so embarrassed her five-year-old was at someone's house, and she heard him in the other room saying, I get to go first. I'm the guest. It's so embarrassing. <laughs> oh, I think I've done that when I was a kid. Really, you learned that yeah, way. Yeah, so it's not, though, how are you two going to make it work for both of you, even with the guest? Okay. Keep them in the same boat because, yes, they are assertive. They know what they want. But we want them to know that other people have what they want need, you know, to get what they want, too. Okay, so my son, um, what do I do in the situation where he's biting, he's kicking, and I put him in a timeout, and um, I was telling a couple of you guys earlier was that I found yesterday at an epiphany, I put him on the changing table, he's kicking and everything else, and finally, before I just, my your instant is to just, swat him and I don't want to I don't want to have that behavior as a parent so my I'm like as soon as I went to go swat him I grabbed his hands held them down and I counted to 15 or 20 and all of a sudden he calmed down I calmed down he stopped kicking me I stopped wanting to swat him and all the like you know the throwing out the window feelings dissipated so I think that was good um but what what do I what, how do I do that like I mean I felt like it was for more for me what do you feel about that I believe timeouts are for parents you know, we usually get to that level of frustration where we don't know what to do. And, and then our kids feed off on our energy. Parents, you know this about kids. They feed, they feel our emotions. They know when we're stressing up, they stress up. You want to cause stress in a kid's life? You want to have a tantrum? Get them to be in a hurry. <laughs> it's like their least favorite thing is when they feel rushed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we're always feeling rushed with them because mm-hmm. they're never, they never do anything mm-hmm. that quickly, right? They're not supposed to, right? So, but I love the idea that um, what you said, Casey, is that you, you held his hand and you didn't talk. You just counted to 15. Mm-hmm. That was actually very good. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> and the thing is, you don't want to swat your kids, you guys, because I know there's classes out there that say as long as you're in control, it's okay, and don't use your hand. You can spank a child or swat them. But it just – remember, 95% of our kids are learning by watching. So here they are hitting us. So what do we do? We spank them yeah. and say, don't you hit me if we hit them. It makes yeah. absolute no sense. And that mm-hmm. goes with a flick, too. This one mom once asked me, is it okay to flick your kids? And I'm like, what is a flick? <laughs> so she told me it's like this little thing that you do oh, your cheek. Thump, like a thump. And this, okay. the thump, yeah. So another mom said, don't flick them because now my older daughter's flicking her little sister <laughs> because it's what we model mm-hmm. to them. Wow. You know, so it, when you're getting to that level of frustration, I say, parent, take a break yourself. Walk away and say to your child, I am so frustrated right now and I don't know what to do. I'm going to walk away and count or breathe. What a beautiful model. See, I don't think road ragers were ever taught to walk away. Mm-hmm. I think they probably had parents that just got right in their faces and yelled, yelled, yelled. And mm-hmm. now these road ragers are out in the street just, you know, in people's faces. They don't learn to walk. And I think it's one of the best gifts as parents that you can do is when you're feeling frustrated is just say, I got to take a break. And I'll be back when I'm calm or not. I'll be back when you're, me- when you're nice or you behave. Don't put it on them. So mm-hmm. basically converting the concept of timeout into creating a comfort comforting time or um, take yeah take a break time yeah. and you can actually create an area to help the ch- kids the ch- kids can help you create a little corner mm-hmm. of the room or you can use a pup tent and have a traveling self-calming the pup tent goes around the house or they love little hideouts mm-hmm. for you with little kids you can create a bag that says self-calming bag and then you put from some of their favorite race cars or books or color crayons in there that they can um, hang you hang it on a hook and they can grab that self-calming bag whenever they need to take a break normally they'll use it even when they don't need a break and then you anchor it by saying, hey, it looks like you're taking a break. Way to take care of yourself. And they're like, oh, thank you, Daddy, or thank you, Mama, you know. <laughs> but you're anchoring. This is a good thing to take a break once in a while. But parents, you've got to model it first. <laughs> you can't expect them just to do it <laughs> because you just told them. And at what age do you think they can start grasping this concept? Uh, 
Well, I think they can start by the time they're 15, 18 months because they mm-hmm. understand it. They can't really, you know, say it back to you because they're not mm-hmm. really speaking sure. yet. But definitely. And then by the time they're two, two and a half, they've got it mm-hmm. go down. Hmm. Yeah. Well, on, on that note, we'll take a break. Right after this, we'll learn in ways you can turn those terrible twos into terrific twos. Yes. We'll be right back. Susie, so how can we avoid the pitfalls of terrible two parenting? What are some mistakes that parents make? I think, first of all, it's educating yourself into the developmental stages of, of two-year-olds and what's normal and what's not normal mm-hmm. so that you know that your kid's behavior is annoying, you know, like the annoying behavior they're not sharing is all normal. The no's and me and the minds are all normal. So you don't have to get so caught up in it when they're doing that, you know, when they're hitting and biting. That's very normal for a kinesthetic child. We redirect that, but we don't get upset with them because we don't want it to last as a button, so to speak. I think it's most important to acknowledge their feelings. Um, I think it's really important on how uh, we parent them, like how do we respond to the situations. You know, in in our parenting class, we talked about three styles of parenting, autocratic, democratic, and permissive. And in the democratic realm, you're both firm and kind at the same time. So you say, you know, you say, you know, it's bedtime. Do you want to hop to bed or you want me to carry you to bed? You know, they say, I don't want to go to bed. You pick them up and you carry them to bed. But they, they say, no, 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 let me hop. You didn't choose. I chose. You can try again tomorrow night. Hmm. Okay. And so you stick to it because it's a boundary that you set. Mm-hmm. But you're still being kind about it because you're giving them a choice. Okay. But once you set that choice, you don't then um, give in to them because then they're learning that your boundaries really mean nothing. And the, the sad thing is, you guys, your, your kids know by age three if you're actually going to um, – stick to a limit that you've set wow age three yeah it's really young <laughs> we don't have much time no <laughs> you don't <laughs> you know and always um and always ask for what you want versus what you don't want you know because really the brain doesn't pick up the word don't so if you're saying don't hit your sister don't throw your food don't get out of bed the brain hears hit your sister throw your food and get out of bed mm-hmm. plus we're not helping our kids work with us because we're not even telling what we want in the first place if you want kids to cooperate then tell them what you want Keep your hands to yourself. Keep your, you know, stay in bed tonight. Keep your food on your plate. Keep your booty in the car seat. You know, keep your hands on the rail when you're walking. Just tell them what you want. It just makes life so much easier for them. And, the, the, you know, a lot of their frustration comes from you not even knowing what you want. Like this little dad, this dad kept telling his little two-year-old, quit running around the block. And finally, the two-year-old, you know, just got so frustrated and said, Daddy, what is a block? <laughs> you know, that's, a, that's another thing. You want to make sure they even know what you're talking about, mm-hmm. not assume. Okay, so it's acknowledging feelings, um, being firm and kind with them. Remember that all misbehavior is communication. Okay, they're not out to get you. They're not coming from a bad gene pool. (laughs) Have you met my son? (laughs) We're only 50 percent of the equation. (laughs) (laughs) But if you can look at misbehavior as a form of communication, Basic human needs of all human beings is to feel loved, feel valuable, feel powerful, to feel like they're contributing members. Okay? It's, it's who we are as humans. So if your child's misbehaving, that one of those needs are not being met. It doesn't mean they still go to bed or that they don't clean up their toys, but you as a parent will handle it in a whole different way. Because you're like, oh, he's communicating something's not working for him. I'm not sure what that is. But you'll handle it differently. And parents, how you handle their crying situations now when they're these, in this stage this is how it's going to impact them how they want to come to you when they're teenagers. Hmm. I know you with babies, you think teenagers, that's another century. I'm like, oh, no, it's not. 
Mm-hmm. It's overnight. Yeah, I Don't can see that. it around the corner. It goes well. You know what? It seems like those first seven years, the, 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 these kids are like Klingons, and you know, you keep, like, can I just breathe by myself? And then all of a sudden, it goes from seven to seventeen, and they're mm-hmm. graduating from high school, and you're like, what happened? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what so. I keep on telling my husband. He complains about how all of our kids come into our bed first thing in the morning, Aww. and they make all this noise playing. And why don't they just go to their playroom and play? And I look at him and say, they want to be with us. Mm-hmm. Be glad that they want to be with us. Because it's right around the corner that they're not going to want. And that's to what anymore. they get to be used to. So I've talked to some teens and like twenty year olds. What the things they like most about their family when they're getting along? Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many kids said we love getting into our parents' bed in the morning after we've come home at night and share stories and just talk about what went on at the parties and stuff. And it's and I know this one family in particular, but they've been doing since the little kids were little. The kids were always jumping in their beds, and many nights they were all in the same bed all night. So tell your husband. Hey, let's take this 10 years up. Our girls are now coming home from parties or they're coming home from hanging out with their friends. Don't we want them coming in the next morning and jumping in bed with us and saying, hey, this is what happened last night. It was really fun. This was really cool. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's a great idea. You know, it's teens. This is why gangs are so prevalent. This is how bad we want to belong. And if our kids don't feel like they belong to us, they will find something to belong to and it's not always in the best interest. And I know I'm taking you guys years ahead. No. But you, you, what you do now has... Such yeah, a huge perspective. Impact. Yeah, and you don't want whenever you're ready to give in or do something that you you know think how do I want my child to do mm-hmm. this in ten fifteen years? That always kind of puts it back in perspective and allows you not to give in because you're tired. <laughs> so my mom, my mom keeps telling me, "Oh, the problems that you have now are so small in comparison <laughs> to the problems you will have, or not." As yeah. long as you have a healthy relationship with them, I mean, you know, the kids learn best by doing. You know, I always tell my one son, if you make it to age six, you'd make it to 106. And he was in the ER room all the time. Those, oh, oh, my gosh. Oh, no. But he's really, he's probably going to live to 106. Yeah. He made it. <laughs> so, Susie, dealing with crying. This is something I have a bit of a hard time with. So I think it's especially because for the first um, while when they're babies, crying, you learn you need to respond to crying and you're wanting to make them feel secure. And so it's always responding, 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 you know, fairly quickly Mm -hmm. to their cries because they need something. Well, now they've transitioned into a stage when they're like a year over a year where they're crying, not necessarily because they need something, but because they want something. My son practices it in the mirror as he walks (laughs) by. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they do a lot of crying, but I still have that really uncomfortable feeling now with crying and all I want is for the crying to Mm. stop. And I can see where that's going to go now they're two or three and you just want the crying to stop so i guess that's why parents will just give them whatever they want yeah but i don't want to go down that path so how do you how do you deal with it how do you we first of all you want to remember the crying is a form of communication so if you can remember that if something's mm-hmm. just not working for them and um and actually in how you respond again to mm-hmm. their crying is how they will choose to come to you as teenagers mm-hmm. and you know get more entertained by it I think your level of frustration comes because you think you've done everything. You don't know what to do next. And, and that's okay just to say, I don't know what to do next. So I'm just going to let you cry. I watch this with my own granddaughters. I, you know, I promise you guys, you would let them cry. They have their meltdown and then they're done. Mm-hmm. Actually, too, what I've been hearing a little bit more lately is sometimes, especially babies crying, they're still, they're kind of going through a healing process, mm-hmm. maybe from the birth or just even before it's, it's, it, it helps it sometimes even on the way to a doctor appointment or even at, they start crying, but it helps the healing around mm-hmm. whatever situation. So even if you can look at, you know, I know, you know, in that realm, mm-hmm. it's just another way of communicating, okay. especially toddlers. They know what they want, but you're not understanding. So they get frustrated and they go right to crying. Mm-hmm. What about whining? I've got a whiner. How do you redirect whining? 
drink more wine. (laughs) (laughs) That'll make everything seem better. (laughs) Whining is a form of stress. You know, and so the I think the best thing you can do is teach your kids when they're whining is to take a breath, whether it's take a d- deep breath or, or pretend they're blowing a feather. And so you get some, you know, you get a feather beforehand and teach them how to blow a feather or blow bubbles. And then when they're whining, say, breathe, or blow the feather, blow the feather. Now, what is it you want? And it's amazing as they get used to this. And, they, and, and I want you again, once again, model it. Parents, over 95% of what your kids learn is what you model. So you practice when you get to a red light you didn't want to stop at <laughs> to breathe. And they go, what are you doing, Daddy? I'm breathing. I'm calming myself down. Hmm. So the more they see you do it, the, you know, but if you're just telling them to do it, yeah, I'm not breathing, you know, it's mm-hmm. stupid because they don't even see you do it. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So the breathing is a beautiful thing because remember, whining is just a form of stress. They're wanting something and they're not really sure how to get it. Mm-hmm. So how, how would you uh, recommend we go about trying to get that terrific two type kid? <laughs> Where can I find one of those? <laughs> First of all, sign up for redirecting children's behavior. Oh, okay. <laughs> There'll be a lot of tools in there. And, and like I said, the other thing too, the studies, you know, learn about developmental stages and what's normal, what's not normal. Because when you n- realize that the, 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 height, the crying and the biting and the me and the mind know is all normal and sharing is not normal, you feel more comfortable. You're like, oh, I just got a normal kid and this is okay, right? Mm-hmm. And see it as um, in, their, in their quest of growing that they're, they're just on a journey, and they're going to make plenty of mistakes doing it. You're there to help bring them back up, pull them up. You know, I always say it's like, you know, it's, kids are constantly learning how to walk into the world. And, and when your babies first learn to walk, they never just stood up and walked. You had to help them up. They took a few steps. They'd fall. You'd help them up, hold them, let them go, see how they did. You know, it was, it was a continuum of learning how to walk. So your kids will always be learning how to walk into new stages. And these little guys, man, this is a huge huge stage for them from going where we carried them they were with us pretty much 24 7 and now they're kind of branching out on their own and this is a little scary for them mm-hmm. so this is where a lot of their meltdowns come and not understanding and if you don't want a child saying no all the time then quit saying no to them you know if they're climbing on the stairs and you know i'm climbing on the stairs instead of saying no say hey i'm not okay with you climbing on the stairs i need you to get down now you know i'm not okay with you throwing things just own it too. Now we're teaching our kids to be accountable for what they need in their lives by saying the word "I" versus um, "you need to stop that." So what if they keep throwing the thing? What if they keep hitting? You know, then you remove them and say, "This isn't okay. I'm going to have you take a break. I want you to sit here until you can keep your hands to yourself, or you can, until you can keep the books on the floor, whatever they're throwing." So mm-hmm. you can't throw it back at them. <laughs> <laughs> optional? No, <laughs> it's not optional. <laughs> um, I've tried that <laughs> with my my spirited three-year-old um where i've tried to remove her and um i, I i'm learning that the timeout maybe remarketing timeout would be effective with her um but we've kind of gone down that road already where she just does not want to be removed she just doesn't want to be told what to do um, she calls the shots. This is she's that type of kid, mm-hmm. um, and she becomes even more defiant. And up until about four months ago, she would pee on the floor deliberately and um, bang on the door if we tried cl- closing it. All that kind of stuff. How do you navigate that? <laughs> sounds, uh, Susie, would you like to come to my house? <laughs> may I, I introduce if, you? To if her? I may, uh, you might want to get her a litter box because she sounds like a kitty cat. <laughs> well, I kept on telling my mother, "No, we do not need a new rug for the bedroom." <laughs> oh gosh! So she's assertive. So yeah, she doesn't like to be told what to do. So start asking her questions. 
There was this four-year-old. Every time she was in the bath, she splashed. And always mom was like, quit splashing. Close the shower. Curtain. No, no, no. Finally, the mother got smart enough to say one night, what can you do to keep the water in the bathtub? And little girl said, I could close the shower curtain. Mm-hmm. Now, mom had said that a million times right. before, but it was always her. Yep. So I want you to start terms. asking her, what can you do? Mm-hmm. What do you need to have on your feet before we go outside? Rather than, come on, we got to go outside. Get your shoes on. Now! Start asking. This is mm-hmm. how we create critical thinkers, parents. Mm. If you are telling your kids what to do all the time and when to do it, why to do it, where to do it, you are raising robots. You do not want your teenagers of today mm-hmm. to be robots. Mm-hmm. They've got to cre- think for themselves, but you've got to implant that by asking questions so their critical thinking skills get tuned up now, especially your power kids. They will say no just for the beauty of it. Okay, so start asking what do you need to do. That way when you have to say no, they under- honor it a lot more too because it's not a constant anymore. Mm-hmm. It's, it's all of a sudden sure. here it is. Okay. Wow. I, I want to keep talking with you. I can mm-hmm. We'll have you back, please. That's fantastic. Thank you so much, Susie, for helping us learn how to handle those tantrums and turn them around. Um, if you want to know more information on Indigo Village or redirecting children's behavior, go to today's show on our episodes page on our website um, or visit www.indigovillage.com. Thank you so much. Thank you. Great questions, parents. You guys are awesome. <laughs> keep it up. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you very much. Before we wrap up today's show, here are some great breastfeeding revenues for new parents. Hi, Parent Savers. I'm Robin Kaplan, an international board-certified lactation consultant, owner of the San Diego Breastfeeding Center, and the host and producer of Parent Savers' sister show, The Boob Group. I'm here to offer you some advice on different breastfeeding remedies, such as how can I treat my huge and engorged breasts? I remember the first time I knew my milk had come in. It was 4 a.m., my son was four days old, and I woke up to my breast looking like I had visited the local plastic surgeon a few hours prior. I immediately woke up my husband and announced with pride, take a look at this cleavage. Even without a bra, I had cleavage. It was amazing. Several hours later, those top perky breasts had become quite sore, and I was searching for any remedy to help soften their powerful fullness. I knew that they weren't engorged, but I also didn't want them to get to that point of challenging return. So what is engorgement? Well, breast fullness between days 2 to 5 postpartum is normal. Your breast should still be somewhat pliable, though. Think of a full balloon. While a balloon is taut, you can still squeeze it and shape it. This is how your breast should feel as your body transitions from making colostrum to your fuller milk. Engorgement is much more severe and a lot less common. When your breasts are engorged, they can feel heavy, tender, and painful. Sometimes engorged breasts will look tight and shiny as if the skin is being stretched beyond its elasticity. Engorged breasts can also become so congested that it is difficult to even remove the milk. Engorgement is most common those first few days postpartum or as your baby gets older and begins to sleep for more consecutive hours at night. But what actually causes this engorgement? Well, engorgement is caused by milk stasis, which means that the milk is not moving out of the breast. There are many reasons that a mom could become engorged. Several birth interventions can cause engorgement as they often result in lots of IV fluids in the hospital. Also, if your baby has a poor latch, he or she may not remove your milk effectively. This is definitely a reason to see a lactation consultant. Subsequent children can also cause engorgement as your breasts have a memory and know how to fill up a lot more quickly with each additional child. I was a lot more full with baby number two than with baby number one. A few other reasons could be that your little one slept a little bit longer at night or you just skipped a feeding. 
and also low immunity caused by lack of sleep, stress as a new mom, or the stress of going back to work can wreak havoc on your body. Can you imagine that? So, how can you reduce that breast fullness or engorgement? First and foremost, breastfeed frequently and effectively from both breasts. In those first few weeks, your baby should be breastfeeding eight or more times in a 24-hour period, actively sucking for about 30 to 40 minutes per breastfeeding session. And if your baby cannot latch because your breasts are so engorged, you can try reverse pressure softening, which pushes the excess fluid away from your nipple, helping your baby latch more easily. You can also hand express or pump on a low setting before latching your baby to help your breasts to become more pliable and easier to latch onto. To reduce inflammation, treat your breasts like you would a swollen ankle. Use ice packs or frozen peas in between feeding sessions to help reduce the swelling. And then you can use warm compresses right before breastfeeding. The warmth will help open up your blood vessels and hopefully help your milk to begin dripping, thereby making it easier for your baby to latch on. Take a warm shower and lean forward also. The gravity and warmth can help reduce inflammation. Use very gentle massage only, as deep massage can actually cause more inflammation. And remember to take good care of yourself and your immune system. Rest, drink lots of water, and eat immunity-supporting foods. Lastly, ask your doctor or holistic practitioner for recommendations for inflammation-reducing medication, herbs, and homeopathy. For more great information about different breastfeeding remedies, check out my blog at sandiegobreastfeedingcenter.com backslash blog, and be sure to listen to the Parent Savers and the Boob Group for fantastic conversations about breastfeeding and breastfeeding support. That wraps up today's episode. We'd love to hear from you. If you have a parenting topic you'd like to suggest, or if you have questions for Susie about today's show or the topics we discuss, call our Parent Savers hotline, 619-866-4775, or send us an email through our website, parentsavers.com, and we'll answer your question on an upcoming episode. Coming up next week, we'll talk about child care options for working parents. Thanks for listening to Parent Savers, empowering new parents everywhere. This has been a New Mommy Media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of New Mommy Media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider. Hey, mamas. Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.